The year is 2000. I'm Charlotte. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Here, the comic book reading club where we go through the best of Marvel comics from its origin to today. I'm Zach, your comic book journeyman, and uh, little known fact, I have been microdosing the entirety of this podcast's run. Uh, I've been microdosing through my toothpaste three times a day, and uh, that, I think that explains a lot about my comic book reading. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that took me a while. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah uh, I'm cut. following. <laughs> And I'm joined today by Charlotte, as you just heard, the comic book Rainbow Belt, who Hello. Uh, I think everyone listening, uh, unless you just joined in, knows that Charlotte did join us um, later in the podcast after the first few years. Uh, and the reason that she came on and immediately became such an incredible podcast po- podcast, podcast? A co-host is, uh, is because she just listened to this podcast and is able to perfectly mimic my style. And that's why... She's such a good podcaster. Welcome to the show, Charlotte. Yeah, um, please no one tell Zach he still believes uh, he's the one I copied the style of. Um... No! (laughs) Uh, I have it on good authority, meaning you messaged me and Dave, I think, (laughs) saying, (laughs) I'm surprised how much I align with you against Dave (laughs) the other day. And I was like, yes! Oh, that feels good. Honestly, I was expecting to to, to be more often on Dave's... On Dave's... On Dave's... (laughs) Holy hell. Oh, boy. boy. (laughs) Yeah, that was a tough one. One word at Um, a time. I feel like I'm even more often against the both of you than I am on, like, against you. Well, if there's one thing that's always been true of you, it's that you love to be in the center, uh, politically, socially, on, on all yeah, issues. Definitely. Uh, you love to just kind of take the middle ground and just to tell everyone to calm down and uh, and find the path of least resistance. Yeah, everything I learned from politics, I learned it from Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this week we're, we're in the midst of 2000. We're... Um, it, it, it's kind of interesting. We're, we're doing some continuing Spider-Man, which is just picking up Spider-Man and like running with Spider-Man comics that we've been reading for a while that don't feel like they have necessarily... Like we're seeing Marvel Knights over in this one corner start to push Marvel comics forward, it seems to me. And then you have these little like reversions back where you're like, oh yeah, that's right. The rest of Marvel comics is still just happening <laughs> and is not like... yeah moving in this kind of new exciting direction not to say that these spider-man comics are bad or even that the captain marvel is bad um but it definitely feels just like the same kind of stuff we were reading in like 96 or even 92 um so we got some spider-man comics uh we have some more marvel knights daredevil uh, although kevin smith is gone and we have a the beginning of a new captain marvel run by peter david um so i'm looking forward to talking about it they're uh, they're interesting if nothing else so if you and want to, nothing else. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to come down that hard on these. <laughs> no, they're, they're um, interesting. They're interesting. 
If uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear, and for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to our full spreadsheet of all the comics that we're going to be reading. That's now including the entirety of the My Ultimate Year list, which is finished, and the Extra Issues list, which is our new podcast that Charlotte and I are doing. Uh, you can get six-month early access to that on Patreon for $5 a month at this point when this episode comes out. Um, at the beginning of October, we put out our first episode, which is about Alan Moore's Watchmen. Uh, at the beginning of November, we put out our second episode about Warren Ellis's Planetary. And then in December, we're going to be covering Peter, or not Peter, Kieran Gillen's Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, because uh, we're doing a theme um, miniseries on superhero subversions. So for six months, that's what we're going to be doing. And then Extra Issues will move into a new comic book reading club theme. Um, so if you want to listen to that early before it goes on the public feed, uh, head over to Patreon and throw us a couple bucks. Not just a couple bucks. Two and a half times a couple bucks. You know what I mean? Specifically. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, yeah. Apple Podcast reviews are always welcome. Uh, yeah. We always love to see those. Thank you. Or just uh, send us an email. Let us know how you're enjoying the show. If you have questions or... Oh, yeah. Just... Uh, I, lo- I, loved, I love my fans. You know? I just love the fans. <laughs> we got the best fans. And As every podcast them. host ever will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I, I know like listen a lot case, of podcasts true. are gonna say we got the best fans but for us we mean it and it's true yeah. it's funny because every time i make that joke it does sound like i am saying no we have the worst fans like the, <laughs> the actual <laughs> subtext is, is that our fans are not great but no we have a uh, very good fans i'm actually like genuinely surprised at how little blowback we get <laughs> for being yeah. you know like woke i guess uh, you can't find another podcast on like Apple Podcasts of our size that is not like every third review is complaining about like, ugh, they want gay people in their comics. <laughs> like, get a life. I wish they would just talk about comics and not anything else. Um, so I appreciate that. Yeah. I like our fans. Um, anything else before we start, Charlotte? Nope. Let's dive into some comics. <laughs> 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 I was trying to find a, um, a yeah. I could an tell you were trying to for find something there. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep it for for the discussion. <laughs> Let's leap into these comics, just like Norman Osborn leapt into the mind of Peter Parker. Ooh. Do you remember when I used to do that a lot? Like, just uh, yeah, really oh, strange. I, I remember. I remember. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to bring that back. Um, we're reading first a Spider-Man. I guess it's an arc. It's not really a series or an event. It's kind of just an arc that's spread across like a three-issue miniseries and then finishes across two different Spider-Man titles. I don't know how you would find this. Like if it... creative teams, which was surprising. Yeah, even though it is one coherent story. Um, I don't know how you would get a hold of this and like figure <laughs> figure this out in the time. Because yeah. it wasn't like it even ended with like Amazing Spider-Man 25 ends and then says, now go over to no, Peter Parker's yeah. Spider-Man. I think, I think it says think so, so like on Marvel Unlimited at one point and the like description mm. of the comic uh but it, i don't think yeah i don't think the actual comics point to 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 what like where to to go next which is mm. weird um but yeah it's like half an event half a mini series like in the you know like documents we have with uh with our list dave describes it as like kind of a a killing joke for for spider-man which, which I had... Did you know what he meant <laughs> by that when you I, were reading this? No, I mean, I guess it's like slight kind of darker than usual Spider-Man comics and focused on like uh, like his main antagonist as the almost protagonist of the comic, like as much as Spidey is. To me, it felt more like yeah. a 
very inspired, let's say, um, by Craven's Last Hunt, yeah, specifically yeah, yeah, for Spider-Man. Last Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's in a way definitely that like makes comparison. it pale in comparison very much. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I I do like I do like this comic, and I like this little arc. Um, but yes, uh, any any of those comparisons are just going to hurt it, not help it. Yeah, uh, like, I I finally I didn't know what he meant. Themselves to it lots. Like, yeah, I think yeah. the third, like the the final issue, opens on like Peter on in the grave, like in Craven's Last Turns, but it's just nightmare. Like you, you're not doing yourself any favors by inviting <laughs> that comparison. Yeah, that that was the most direct. Yeah. Um, th- where it's just like this was so Even powerful. Like Peter in this other having comic, nightmares then... that are linked to to the antagonist and like being just like he's overthrown spiders in Craven's Last Turns, and like also Norman. Um, I don't think he actually ever does it, but like there are visions of Norman in the spider suit and in the opposite, like Spider-Man in the the Green Goblin suit, like melding the the frontier between hero and villain. Uh, in a way, it's, it's a repeated motif a of like yeah. Spider-Man pulling off his mask to find the Green Goblin mask, and then he pulls that off to find Norman Osborn, and then he pulls that off to find himself, or yeah. vice versa, Norman pulling off his face to find Spider-Man's mask or whatever. They keep uh, they keep playing with that here. Um, yeah, I didn't get the killing joke thing until the final, like, four pages of this yeah, entire guess, thing, yeah. which is where they start, like, Norman Osborn is like, I won a, like, moral victory over you by making you see, like, the cracks in your heroic persona, like, that one day one of us will kill the other one, um, like, and sooner than you think, and I've, like, basically planted that seed in your mind that you're capable of, you know, perhaps actually reaching out to kill me <laughs> which is something that you know you see yourself as better than and i made you made you confront that in yourself um which is a little bit of what killing joke is playing with so uh that that is the connection i got but only in the final few pages so this is yeah. uh, just the creative teams here we've got spider-man revenge of the goblin one through three is roger stern and ron friends uh friends friends of the podcast haha <laughs> Um, sorry, that was real uh-huh. strained. Yeah, one of your best. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 25, <laughs> which is Howard Mackey and John Romita Jr. And ooh, I'm going to talk about that John Romita Jr. art. Oh yeah. Um, and then Paul Jenkins and Mark Buckingham on Peter Parker's Spider-Man 25. Um, that uh, that John Romita Jr. art is so good. Uh, it's, it's so it's, it's so impressive. Cool. Like it really it's, is. it's it, easy yeah. to it's easy to trash on on JRJR like. A lot of people do it. It's like I still haven't his... seen why. I still have yet to see. Yeah. I I know I I've seen the images that people share to like be like oh yeah you got lazy and you know these are some like real sloppy anatomy and stuff. But I have yet to see that actually show up in the comics. Like yeah, I I'm think still I guess what impressed the where I see it kind of even here is like there are shots of Spider-Man leaping into action that like kind of lack dynamism because his characters are really blocky in a way that doesn't really fit Spider-Man, like how he fights. Um, but he does some really, really fun stuff with the visions and like the, the some scenes in the, in the rain and everything that like look incredibly cool. Um, yeah, I mean, like yeah. part of, uh, of why people kind of dunk on, uh, on Romita is like, He's still doing the exact same things 22 years later in 2022. Like, on Spider-Man, his art kind of looks still the same, so even slightly worse. It's true, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean... But there like, are some splash pages here that are yeah. 
so cool. I mean, he, yeah, 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 it's true. He does still look like he's doing, you know, the Senti Daredevil. But I, th- I think it almost uniformly works. Like, his Green Goblin I don't really love. His Green Goblin's got, like, too simple of a face. Um, yeah. But he does... There's a splash page here of Spider-Man going through the city. That's so cool. It, it's also... I gotta call out Gregory Wright's coloring here. I love the way he colors this because he does, like, almost pitch black for Spider-Man's um, outfit. And, like, really, really strong basic colors, like the blacks and the reds against a very, like, it's, like, a very simple color palette, but it's, I think, so, like, perfectly tuned. Uh, It looks great. I love the sequence where Peter Parker is, I think he's having a nightmare, and he's having this, like, hallucination of the Green Goblin. And the way that uh, John Romita Jr., like, draws that is by leaving his pencil, like, sketch lines in the drawing. Yeah. Uh, That's a really fun punch. the issues of Thor we we saw recently, where like Thor is, I don't know, I can remember if he's dreaming or if he's in some kind of like cosmic plane or something. But yeah, the it feels like the drawing isn't finished. Like you still see the sketch lines and it looks really really cool. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking through this now and like some of these panels, Spider Man, like the blue on Spider Man's outfit is just black, like at night. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool effect and it just naturally blends in with his webbing, which is all black too. I really like it. Um, and then uh, Mark Buckingham uh, is, I think, like really settled into his style, um, which I just really recognize from Fable because I've read Fable so many times. Yeah. Um, he's got a really distinct way of drawing like human faces uh, and kind of weird lumpy faces sometimes. Uh, he does a lot of like close up full pages of just faces here, like Peter Parker screaming in his coffin. Um, yeah. That are very good. So, like, uniformly very good art and Ron Ooh, friends. And he, he draws a real awesome. good uh, bearded Peter Parker, which we, like, oh, yeah, yeah. rarely even know. see. But, like, Peter looks real good with a beard. Like, it's supposed to All make right, him look like kind down, of disheveled after down. having been <laughs> trapped by the Green Goblin for, for so long. We're like, he should, he should keep that. Why, why does, um, like, current Reed Richards get to look like a Delph and Peter doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be some modern run where uh, Peter gets to, to wear a beard. There's gotta but be. But like not, just has like to not be. for long because like they, they want to keep him in like <clears throat> looking like a teenager at all times, which Yeah, I guess they still want the like little... whiff of college about him. Yeah. <laughs> even even in modern stuff. Um yeah, so Norman Osborne is the protagonist of this. He is coming down from a a spell of madness. <laughs> He's on the downslope. Um <laughs> which is to say and, like uh, the best thirty years of, of comics. A spell of madness is just like his life since he since he got the yeah. serum. Yep. And he's, um, well, I don't know. I mean, he's had moments of, like, recently, like, being a little more lucid, I think. But this is him, like, uh, trying to, like, put his life back together. But he's also, th- there's a bunch of stuff that's brushed over here, <laughs> including the fact that Mary Jane has died in a plane crash. <laughs> um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to Yeah, that was, that was last year, apparently. Uh, news to okay. me. Um, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here when I say I don't think that sticks. <laughs> um, I feel I'm like at... y- you know that if it sticks and it wouldn't, we would have read that. We would have, yeah. Like, and we read we Karen Page's mm-hmm. death and Betty um, Betty Ross's death, but not MJ's. That, yeah. <laughs> I... Uh... I'm looking on the Marvel Wiki fandom page for Mary Jane Watson, and they, you know, they have, like, the history of Mary Jane Watson, and there's 19 bullet points of, you know, all the big moments of her life, and, you know, plane crash death is not even listed here. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, she's probably yeah, just on, I, an, on an island with Kazar somewhere waiting for... Oh, now I gotta look, make, gotta look up and make sure... 
Um, oh, no, she just got kidnapped. Damn. Of course she did. <laughs> it's her lot in life. It's being kidnapped. Anyway, so yeah, that happens. Uh, so Peter is upset about the death of his wife but like weirdly not that <laughs> that upset <laughs> it is funny viewing this in comparison to craven's last hunt where like jmd Mateus would have wrung so much out of his mental state but here he sees a billboard of mary jane and he's just like man her face everyone everything reminds me of her anyway i just gotta snap myself out of it peter <laughs> You can't keep dwelling on the past. And I'm like, your wife just died in a plane crash. Like, you yeah, can, like, you can be sad like for a the while. Comics n- the comic knows that MJ isn't gone. Like, they don't hit that beat too much. It was like, I I mean, that would be interesting. But like, hitting the beat too much of, oh, how sad is it that MJ's dead? Like, wouldn't work because, you know, she isn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Isn't, uh, yeah, I, I think it's but just, yeah, it, it is not what they're interested the, in doing. The yeah. hard-hitting, uh, like psyche of peter that uh that jmd matisse does in craven's lessons like i'm by the end you're supposed to think like he's actually breaking down breaking down sorry and uh, like getting close to to seating to to the to the green goblin but like i never believe it in a way that like i even though i don't believe it with craven's accent like i can let myself believe it uh like yeah I you fall you suspend know you like, right exactly like the story yeah you know, sus- suspends your disbelief because it doesn't really matter. Like, you're here in this story. You know, you can step outside of continuity when a story, like, carries you through it. And, you know, how many stories have we read where I'm like, well, this isn't, you know, this doesn't really matter or tie in or make perfect sense with what's going on in Marvel Comics at the moment. Yeah. But, you know, as a story itself, like, it's totally convincing. Um, I mean, this, I, this is just weird because it's just like, just ignore it, right? Like, just don't even mention if you don't yeah, want to. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to talk um, about it instead of doing this weird week, like, Peter, you know, you just got to get out and do some street fighting to forget your woes. Because it was like eight issues ago. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago <laughs> that she died. Uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, so it's like hey. the, the like inner psyche of, of I was gonna say of, of Percy Jackson of Peter Parker uh, doesn't do much for don't me. Don't you here. bring that here to this podcast? <laughs> We're not talking Percy Jackson here ever. Soon, soon. Um, yeah, I don't. There's it doesn't really succeed for me there, even though like they try to do some stuff with it, especially in the the latter half. Where I'm most interested in in this comic is like what it does all artists what he tries to do for norman osborne because like norman osborne has been dead for 30 years at this point until yeah. uh, 25 years until they brought him back uh, in the aftermath of the clone saga and like i feel like the character needs a comic like this like focusing on how he works as a villain if we're gonna have him stick around because if he sticks around he has to be like spider-man's joker like he has to be the biggest the devil in uh, in spider-man's story um so he needs a very strong basis for that and i don't know how much the the comic succeeds at that um especially in comparison with like ultimate spider-man no man is born which is happening like concurrently or like very very soon is gonna do like I think I think a very good job of solidifying uh, Norman Osborn, aka uh, Green Goblin, as like the nemesis of Spider-Man. In a way that I, I don't think this succeeds that much. Um, it does like some interesting stuff with. Uh, I mean, it plays with interesting stuff with Norman Osborn, like wanting to remain sane and like 
having some stability between his life as the Green Goblin and his life with Norman as Norman Osborn. Like, I don't know how deep it goes in that. And then just, yeah, st- tries to do the, the killing joke thing of uh, Norman Osborn wants Spider-Man to be his heir and he, he wants to break him and make him into, like, a version of himself. I don't think that succeeds. It does sound like that. you're saying he wants him to be his heir. Um, which, <laughs> his when you heir, see Peter Parker, guess. <laughs> yeah, when you see yeah. Peter Parker's beard, you understand why. <laughs> Yeah, no. It, yes, it, it's that. I, I think... I I'm, I totally agree. I think the Norman Osborn stuff is stronger. I think, like, establishing him and his, like, mental state and his goals um, here is pretty good. And, like, you leave here being like, oh, yeah, he's he's kind of scary and he's a threat. <laughs> and, he, you know, like, he feels significant here. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if you have the same feeling. I'm having a hard time reconciling the, f- like... The first half of the event, which is the return of uh, Revenge of the Green Goblin, I think, miniseries. And then mm-hmm. the latter half, which is like the end and the actual Killing, Jeff, Killing Joke, uh, not rip-off, but like play on the Killing Joke. Because um, like, I think that latter half is more interesting as in playing uh, Norman as like the boogeyman and being like kind of scary and nightmarish. But the first mm. half, like I couldn't get into at all with... Uh, they, they, he's, he's the head of some kind of goblin cult, and like yeah, there's that's, some psychologist kind of who's meant to be his heir, and like he falls in love with his, um, his nurse, and like there's a weird subplot there. I, that does nothing for me, and I don't think it succeeds at all in making him a more interesting villain. I, I liked the, um, I got into the stuff with him, and his, uh, in the nurse, like him falling for his nurse. Uh, yeah, that that stuff worked okay for me. Because then it started know. to, like, it's like the same thing with Kingpin, where it starts to, like, pull him back towards, like, because he, he's, I mean, Kingpin is a more normal guy, <laughs> you know, yeah. so to speak. Uh, Green Goblin isn't. He's, you know, more of a cartoon lunatic, <laughs> to, yeah. to be rude about it. Um, and I think, like, having this, it, it, like, to me, it felt like I could see him almost being tempted away from, you know, this, like, like, path of Green Goblin by this I woman. guess uh, for that, I'd need a stronger, like, <laughs> I'd need to know who this woman is. Like, have uh, ex- her have any Charlotte, kind of personality or character. She's pretty, and she says, oh, Norman, let me replace your IV bag. Uh, what what, what more do you need from a woman? Uh, uh-huh. Because if a, if a woman is pretty and she says that to me, my heart is hers. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm, I shouldn't say that on the podcast, because <laughs> my, my secret is out. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I... It, I'm not saying this is like incredibly deep and meaningful stuff, but I think like yeah. just just establishing Norman again as kind of like where he's at, um, and you know that he can be tempted by a norm quote unquote normal woman. He can be like lured into like missing his old life of just having like the support of a partner. Yeah. I think was um, interesting and kind of appealing to me, and. Then I agree that the end of this, when he realizes, like, oh, I can't just drive Peter mad, or I can't just kill him, the trick is going to be, I'm going to make him my heir, right? I'm going to, like, yeah. shatter and him like, <laughs> so thoroughly that he comes to my side. I think that is kind of interesting. Anchoring that in, like, the, I think, like, created for this uh, backstory for, for Norman, which is, like, he had, his dad was abusive and, like, made him stay a whole night in, like, a in the complete dark in some kind of manner where he was like terrified and traumatized and like him 
continuing that cycle of violence and being that uh, patronizing, uh, like paternal mm -hmm. figure, trying to like like he did with Harry, doing that with uh, with Peter is an interesting dynamic. Like him being wanting in a way to be Peter's mentor um, is a fun dynamic for a hero villain relationship. Um, I think like yeah, it succeeds in that way, and I'm interesting to I'm interested to see where that goes because I don't think like there, there's that a lot in the Ultimate Universe, uh, but I don't think I've seen that a lot in Six One Six. I'm interested to see if um, if people uh, keep that going. I I hadn't thought about that the comparison to the Ultimate Universe, but you're right. I think that's a stronger thing because in the Ultimate Universe, Norman Osborn and Peter's like superpower origins are linked, and then Norman feels this like ownership over peter like almost like he's a wayward son right like yeah because like he uh, actually like peter's powers come from oscorp engineered uh, engineered things like it's the same original tie stuff yeah yep yeah. so I, I yeah i agree i think that's that's stronger and i like i liked his plot <laughs> i, I kind of like the idea he doesn't sell it like again like jmd Mateus does yeah. with craven um he doesn't fully like sell peter like <laughs> like here craven's like i'm gonna beat you up in the dark embrace the dark and he's like do you want uh water that's light or do you want black water <laughs> and yep. he's like and he's like i saw the cracks in your psyche you almost reached for that that spooky dark water <laughs> um yeah yeah it's it i don't know if it, it doesn't fully land um that whole that whole conceit in like superhero comics of like the villain being like you and I are just two sides of the same coin. Um, it feels like it's really used a lot, and very rarely do I f like actually feel it and be like, "Oh yeah, I get it." <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, um, like Miller was able to do that a little bit with Daredevil. Sometimes, like the um, like vilifying Daredevil is like, yeah, he still just gets his kicks on the violence and beating up yeah. people. He's just doing it but, for yeah. That works know, better. He just justifies it. Yeah. It works better on a character that, like, has that edge. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know how well... I mean, I guess I don't know how well that works with Spider-Man, but with the added idea of uh, of Green of Norman, like, wanting to be his father and, like, thinking he can raise Peter into that, like, I guess that works better because there's, like... Not a reason, really, but, like, there's there's some reasoning behind it. There's something more than just the, you, the empty... You uh, can see why Norman and I are, like... In Ultimate Comics. Like, Ultimate Comics, yeah. you understand why Norman thinks it's going to work, but he's mad. But, like, you at least see, like, he has a motivation. It doesn't work, like, it's not thematic. Like, in Ultimate Spider-Man, Peter Parker there is not, like, thematically going to turn to the dark side. Yeah. But, like, you understand why Norman thinks he might, or why he should. Here, I don't really know why Norman Osborn is like, I can break him, I can make him, <laughs> I can turn him into, you know, Green Goblin Jr. Like, yeah. I mean, of course, of to course me, you can. <laughs> That always works better. For Spider-Man, it always works better with Otto, with uh, Dr. Octopus, because, like, if mm -hmm. you read the the very first issues of Spider-Man, even, like, Amazing Fantasy 15 by, by Lee and Ditko, like, Peter has kind of that age of thinking he's better than every uh, than any of his classmates and, and including his bullies, and, like, one day I'll prove to you well, how superior I am. Like, that's... There's some, mm -hmm. some, some Dr. Octopus trick there that, that is played with... Uh, in especially in 2000s and 2010s comics, uh, mm, and that worked yeah, better see for that. me than uh, than Norman. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an, it's interesting, and it's a it's, yeah, a, like, it's a good trace of basis for that relationship for for the 
for the upcoming uh, future comics. Yeah, yeah, that that's interesting. I, I could see that because it's like, what are the weaknesses that are kind of built into these characters that you can then like have writers use villains yeah. to exploit, right? And I guess with Peter, it is his like sense of superiority and boy uh i'm not gonna get into it too much um but something that i think <laughs> that i really like in one more day um using peter i'm not spoiling it at all if you haven't read it yet because we will for the podcast but like that peter parker's sense of guilt is actually just kind of like a um is selfish right it's like self-obsessed mm, yeah. and like it's just him thinking about himself all the time <laughs> and you know like uh, him rationalizing his own behavior um yeah. yeah i really i i think those are two like interesting things like cracks in his facade to like pick at so uh, yeah we're so, probably roughly in the same spot about this. yeah i think like, it's, it's it's okay these were especially the latter half was more interesting than most spidey comics we've read in yeah. the past like yeah, yeah. 10 years probably um, we're gonna we're about to get into some like fun eras of spider-man i yeah, remember Straczynski, reading right? yeah Straczynski for yeah. sure is coming next year and then, um, oh boy, um, does it directly into Dan Slot, or is there someone in the middle? I can't remember. Dan Slot's after. No, I think after that, there's like they bounce around writers after JMS, yeah. and I think like they have a bunch of writers working on it, including like Zeb Wells. Um, but no, like one of the uh, offshoot series is going to be like Spectacular Spider-Man. I remember reading a bunch of uh, at the at this time. Like I was reading it concurrently. And that's, um, oh my god, uh, yeah, I can't remember, uh, pa Paul Dini, maybe? Okay. Um, hmm, just a second, I, I'm gonna find this, because it's driving me <laughs> crazy. Uh, what, it, Paul Jenkins, that's right. Paul yeah. Jenkins, okay. Paul Jenkins has a, a Spider-Man run that I really like, that's, uh, well, that's very Because, like, he did probably my favorite issue of these, so yeah. Yeah, oh, wait, Paul Jenkins? Didn't you say Paul Jenkins did the last issue of, uh... Oh wait, no. Who who did the no, like Peter Parker twenty uh, five? Uh, I closed the tab. <laughs> uh, it was Paul Jenkins. Oh my god. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paul Jenkins keeps uh, and he does some stuff with some like really good artists uh, moving yeah. forward. I really like the spec. He does Peter Parker Spider Man. He starts picking up now, and he does this with Mark Buckingham up until fifty, and then he's gonna be doing. It's only twenty twenty two issues of Spectacular Spider Man that starts in two thousand four. Um, I really remember, really like, I remember really liking some of that. I'm going to put some of that okay. in the uh, 2004 Dean's list for sure. So Nice. Um, okay. So yeah, decent Spider-Man comics, especially if we're judging on the curve of what Spider-Man comics have been for a decade or more yep. even. Who knows? I don't even remember. I guess Craven's Last Hunt's last time we really liked a Spider-Man comic. Um, uh, yeah, Daredevil? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Daredevil we read... Uh, 10 through we had on the list 10 through 13 i read 10 through 15 because the arc ends with yeah 15 makes more sense i'm gonna try to shift this on the list i'm gonna twist old dave's arm because i don't think there's any reason to end <laughs> with 13 when you stop with 13 it just kind of stops right in the middle of the arc and it's like there's just two more issues to read so um although if you haven't read it and you just read 10 through 13 you're fine you can like go back and skim through it and we'll talk about it but it, it Kind of like the rest of the comic. It's not incredible, but like it's quick and the art looks great. And uh, yeah. Um, so this is Echo, who uh, Charlotte and I, uh, we've talked about her because of the Hawkeye TV show. Do you like Echo? I, I like Echo. Do you know Echo, Echo I, actually? 
Do you know her? I did. I, I wrote a I wrote a reading order about Echo that you can find on mm-hmm. uh, on CBH. So I read most. I think I think all of the comics she she appears in, um, which is not many, right? Not that much. Like especially like she has I think only one solo series which like just ended, and uh, she's mostly like she's a player in early 2000s uh oh i think late 2000s um avengers mighty avengers by bendis but she's like she's really a background player she's she's barely in there and then she currently she's she has a very interesting place that i won't spoil uh but like she she becomes kind of a big player in uh, she becomes galactus she becomes galactus you're you're not that far off honestly (laughs) you're pretty close okay all right well yeah very curious (laughs) you you don't know what uh, what happened oh i have no i have no idea oh i just looked it up wow okay (laughs) yeah you're you're pretty close (laughs) (laughs) she becomes drax the destroyer oh my god (laughs) she becomes stan lee <laughs> she, she starts writing the comics. Yeah, no, she, she, yeah, she has a, a an interesting place in in current uh, in current comics, which like makes me interested in what makes me curious about what they're gonna do with her uh, in the MCU. Whether she'll be a, a team player in some kind of Avengers thing, or if she'll stay in the Daredevil um, side of uh, like more more sweet level side, and maybe on Disney Plus. Uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, she, she's she's an interesting character that doesn't have that much of an history, which is interesting that they chose uh, chose to adapt her. But she she's like she's a character that has some potential. That even though like it's weird how much she gets to stand up on her own, even though like she's clearly created to be a a foil of Daredevil specifically uh, in the mm-hmm. way her powers work, in like the reflection being between him uh, like being blind and having his powers i don't know can i i can find like, the word I'm boost his for. other senses yeah yeah kind of yeah can complete like uh reflects that i guess uh, yeah. and she yeah. she does the same with like she she's uh she's deaf but she kind like she can mimic the the actions of anything she sees whether it be like playing an instrument dancing or like fighting um like she they're clearly she's clearly made to to like reflect him so it's, it's interesting that then she gets to to be her own player and i think i think she she totally works as a as a singular hero and like with her own stories even though there, there aren't uh, that many of them yet yeah the so uh echo was uh, my favorite part of the hawkeye show um which was yeah. surprising i'd never heard of her before like i hadn't heard of her and i definitely hadn't read a comic of hers i just kind of knew of her as like a very minor character in 2000s marvel um, I think the uh, the actress who plays her in Echo is so good uh, in the MCU, um, and I'm yeah. and like both of us, I think we're like we we walk we went into Hawkeye knowing that the MCU had already announced that they were going to do a solo Echo show. I think both of yeah. us were like, well, that's very strange. <laughs> like they're already <laughs> like, uh, and then I watched it and I was like, oh, that's not strange at all. She can like definitely hold the show like um yeah, yeah cox something her last name's cox i can't remember uh, her last name. alacqua cox i think alacqua yep that's it um and uh yeah so like very excited she was great in the show my favorite part and definitely my favorite like the part that i was most excited to see carry on way more than kate bishop uh which was surprising because i really <laughs> like Haley steinfeld and i was yeah. really excited for her and then she didn't really do much for me um yeah, it's weird how much the the Hawkeye show is like an adaptation of Matt Fraction and David A. Has 
uh, Hokai comic, but like mixed with those issues that we just read of uh, of Echo Daredevil with uh, like the the dev, uh, Echo thinking the hero uh, killed her father when actually in actuality it's the Kingpin, and then he becomes a uh, her ma- her main antagonist. It's a lot of this, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. just you just swap out like Kingpin tells her that it's Hawkeye, not Daredevil, and you basically have the same story. Well, <laughs> yeah, yes, like... except in the in the series, Hawkeye actually killed her dad. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, that's a good point. And she doesn't fall in love with him first. And also in MCU, MCU, she doesn't have these powers, or at least that we know of. Um, here she's a little bit like, and I looked this up to see when these characters were created. She's a little bit like Cassandra Kane in DC. Who Ooh, I was going to say Taskmaster in Marvel, like. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, she is very similar to Taskmaster it's the same too. Same set of yeah. powers, yeah. Yeah, where like she can observe if she observes something, she can just mimic it yeah. perfectly. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting. The so we switched writers here. We're off to to David Mack from Kevin Smith. Um, Joe Quesada is still... directly after. Like, we didn't skip yeah. any issues. We skipped one. Number nine. Oh, did we? Uh, okay. I think we skipped. Which I went back and read. And it's okay. It's the... Um, I think it sets some of this stuff up. And it's a lot of, like, Matt grieving Karen Page. Okay. Um, but David Mack is... <laughs> he's not quite as wordy as Kevin Smith. But he is pretty wordy. And I would say that wordiness pays off a lot less. Like, there was less words, but they meant a lot less to me. I think this is... <laughs> This is weirdly a comic that I think mostly works. I think a ton of that is Joe Quesada's art, which is incredible. Like, yeah. his art is so Indeed. good. I can't have enough good things to say about it. And David Beck's writing is okay uh, with, it, I'd say, like, pretty average. And then some moments where you have some hugely questionable moments. <laughs> there are a few moments where I, like, exclaimed out loud, like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> such as the moment where uh, uh, Echo, Maya Lopez, who is um, uh, indigenous American, she, <laughs> her and Matt Murdock are going on a date. They don't like know each other's identities. And he's, one of the things that David Mack loves to do is just like explain how much um, input Daredevil is getting. Um, and like, you know, ha- how he has to deal with all this like sensory input um, in a way that I think is kind of boring. I think like halfway through this arc, I was like, yes, I get it. He can smell cigarette smoke. It's gross. Like he wasn't doing anything like <laughs> interesting. And it also didn't feel like it wasn't giving me the feeling of like we're being hit with it to be overwhelmed. It felt like kind of thought it was interesting detail and I was kind of bored with it. But they're on a date and he's like, she doesn't smell of all the smells that other people do of pollution and Ooh, yeah. perfume and, <laughs> you know, like deodorants and makeup and artificiality. She smells of the natural world, of freshness and of just of human body. She smells of this land before we came here and ruined it with cities and germs. And I was like, some weirdo, like, uh, <laughs> you know, because she's Native American, this like... Uh, she smells even natural. though she's lived in new york city all her life. yeah of course right like <laughs> she's also just a human being like very strange you know and divorced from hundreds of years of history from a pre-industrial yeah, like, priest you know she's european she's civilization just <laughs> probably smells like any new yorker you like boy big big fetishizing hours here can you yep. imagine saying that oh yeah, that yeah you sucked your smell reminds me of a time before 
you know, <laughs> the Europeans landed here. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna. To I thought you were gonna talk about the the shower shots on the rape victim. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's <laughs> that's fetish. one too. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's one. Of, okay, so actually, I was saying all these issues are okay. Uh, to to good that issue, which is drawn by somebody Confusing. else. Yeah. It's one of the worst issues we've ever read. <laughs> it's like, and it's not it's not just the the art is different. Um I think even if it's Rob Haynes on it, uh and Jimmy Pamiotti steps up to like help writing. I think that's actually Joe Casada and Jimmy Pamiotti are writing that one instead of Mac. Um, Ooh, okay. It's terrible. It's really weird. It's like Maya <laughs> and Daredevil are fighting and then but just in the background they're not even speaking and then so it's like a bunch of little stories about New Yorkers and it's like Oh boy, here's a <laughs> rapist slash cat burglar who just got out of jail, and let's tell his story about he's sneaking up on a teen girl to rape her again. And while we're doing that, we're like getting these like cheesecake shots of her in the shower as he's like yeah. sneaking up to her to sexually assault her again. Uh that was something, yeah. But then like even besides that, like it was like Daredevil and Echo accidentally tripped the man. So it's like they didn't even stop this rapist intentionally. They accidentally, <laughs> he falls off a building because he trips over like Daredevil's um, wires. Wires. What is his thing called? Um, his Billy Club? His Billy Club. Thank you. He trips over it, falls off the building, and then there's a man in a car who got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis who is about to kill himself because he can't pay for his medical bills. And so then the criminal falls on the roof of his car, <laughs> stopping him from killing himself. So he has a gun in his hand, and then a wanted poster flutters in front of his face saying that this man is worth $200,000. So now he's got a gun on the criminal. And then there's another kid across the street, this, like, black kid who is being threatened by another kid. And this interrupts them to... And there's a cop who's too shaken up by his partner's death and his wife's about to divorce him. And then they see the... Whatever. It's like everyone's inspired by this moment and everyone's lives are fixed. And it's <laughs> baffling. I have no idea what this comic is saying. Yeah. Uh, I... The stories are bad and nonsensical. It's terrible. It's really, really bad writing. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. It's it's a very weird comic that it's we could have easily odd. skipped. But I'm kind of glad we didn't because what a why? Comic. Yeah, it's weird in a yeah, way that we've never read before. It kind of does the like New York City <laughs> as the the character in like Spider Man or Daredevil comics, but it doesn't sure. do anything interesting with that. Like I was when the style changed, I was like, oh, that this looks way worse. <laughs> Hoping they do I, something I like the interesting style, with okay, it. This like hyper clean, very clean lines, very sparse drawing. I, I could see this yeah. working in a comic. I just don't think it did anything here. Um, yeah, it's it's a big nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very strange. No, the other moment <laughs> I was going to point out, and it does sound like we're ragging on this a lot. Uh, I, I do generally like this comic. But the other moment that made me like exclaim out loud is that um, Echo is watching a lot of action movies to learn how to fight. And then Matt tracks her down to like a video rental store. And then <laughs> she... <laughs> That's the first time I said... <laughs> said we because of how much <laughs> that's perfect yeah i was gonna say what was that noise you just made <laughs> um <laughs> he he goes to hide from her in the video rental store and he ends up in like the porn section the little closet that they have for like porn and then he like picks up a, a video and he's like he's running his finger over it to f- read the title of his fingers and then just from outside he goes uh, karen <laughs> And it's like he found one of Karen Page's like porn videos. It's 
it's 100% played as a joke. And it's like, this is his ex-love who just died three issues ago. <laughs> and you're making yeah. a joke about how he like, and, and the porn that she's in is some kind of like, you know, the devil gets her due. And she's like in a devil costume. It's totally played as a goof of, you know, finding your girlfriend's porn video and being like, oh, no. But like she's dead. It's and this you know, in the framing of the comic too, and I I don't want to shame like, you know, pornographic actors or like sex workers. But it's definitely like framed but as the a comic shameful does. thing for her. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It, you know, like I mean it also like it did to it, you know, defend it a little bit. It did frame it as her being exploited in like this industry, which is true. Like yeah. people get exploited, especially like Oh boy, I don't care. I don't need to get into that. Uh, <laughs> I was about to start going down that road. Anyway, uh, like, insane. Uh, an insane thing to do. It would be like, I, I don't know. Like, if in that Spider-Man issue, he finds, like, nudie photos of Mary Jane. I, I don't even know what the context would be. It's terrible. It's just awful. <laughs> um, it's a really yep. sour moment. Yeah. Anyway, I think... <laughs> yeah, I think Echo's interesting. I think her relationship with Kingpin is okay. Um, one of the wild things is that, <laughs> I mean, she's a young woman. She's probably 30-ish, maybe, um, maybe younger. Matt Murdock is, you know, I don't know, 32, something like that in these comics. Kingpin sets up Daredevil, like he tries to kill Daredevil by like sicking Echo on him and being like, this is the man who killed your father 20 years ago when you were a little girl. And, you know, immediately I'm like, well, she has eyes. Like, she can see this as a young man, right? Even with his costume. <laughs> like, it, it kind yeah. of, like, it beggars belief a little it, bit that she would just does... immediately fall for it. Yeah, there's some weird stuff with, like, Maya is played as very childlike, childlike yeah. in a lot of ways. She, she like, there's a lot of child drawing around, like, the stuff she's imagining, I think. Um, Which is very like, cool art, but then also, It, it, it yeah, looks cool, like, but, like, it's weird, like, at, at some point I was like, is she, is she, like, 17 or something? Like, that's weird. Um, and, yeah, yeah she, she like, Matt t teaches her what molecules are <laughs> at some point. <laughs> no, like, it's not, it's not that. He's just explaining to her, like... No, no, because no, she says, like, she's never seen anyone say that word before, and he has to explain to her what it means. <laughs> I, I, I kind of I remember the scene you're talking about. I guess I didn't pick up on that. That's yeah. I, I agree because it, like, it does keep she's cutting been back. To raised like... by like a, a millionaire in New York City. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's really weird. I don't like how childlike they make her. Um, yeah. Especially I mean, they when make her very she has a a love story with Daredevil. <laughs> like, um, yeah, the way the way that yeah. she, uh, the way that she like you know just takes kingpin's word for it um yeah the mcu weirdly does it better <laughs> and you yeah. like you understand like you you can see this relationship is like built up uh and like you know like kingpin isn't lying like he's saying the truth okay oh I yeah that too that. <laughs> yeah he might just be twisting <laughs> it a little bit that, yeah yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's, a, that's a really good point so okay so i was thinking the whole time like well this is stupid like there's a little bit of a you know, you have to suspend your disbelief that she would be... Because she, she can see Daredevil. Like, that she would believe that this guy was old enough to have killed her father 20-something years ago. Um, the end of this arc, after she's attacked him multiple times and, like, started, like, you know, 
really put his life in danger multiple times. He finally gets her close enough that he can speak and she can read his lips. And he was just, he's just like, Maya, it couldn't have been me. I was in grade school when your father was murdered. And she's immediately like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> the comic itself is aware of that. And that's the twist is like this incredibly obvious. Th- it, it's so funny for them to pull that out. Like, the comic itself, to acknowledge that, then makes the entire thing yeah. seem even stupider in retrospect. Um, again, it kind of... It, it sounds like I hated this. I didn't, but I think it's largely because of um, Joe Quesada's art. Because Joe Quesada's art is, like, expressionistic. Like, he does all this stuff with, like, putting yourself in the frame of mind of the characters. Like, you know, all the frames will be puzzle pieces that are, like, drifting through the page because Daredevil's, like thoughts are super scattered because of this violent traumatic event he just went through he does like mixed media of um like all the drawings like we were talking about of echo's memories and it kind of it's like her childhood drawings of her father being murdered like a little kid who would like fixate on this stuff and draw it um the way he draws daredevil is so cool (laughs) like floating through the air in his billy club like the wire of his billy club just like arcing back and forth across the page you know so that it would be like a hundred feet long in real life it's kind of like spider-man when todd mcfarlane would just draw the webs like yeah. billowing all around him like impossibly long and not functional <laughs> at all but like <laughs> it it just looks it looks so good um yeah, yeah I, I can't like praise the uh the art of this enough um i think it doesn't even matter like how bad the story is i would still like want to skim through these just through the art and i don't think it's that bad i think it's okay um, it's, it's, it's interesting that it's like yeah. it still deals with like some some bad stuff that's that's happening to to Daredevil and to Maya like her her, her Daredevil's kind of thing. It does feel like a lighter Daredevil comic in a way that we haven't seen in a while. Like it it has kind of a Spider Man feel to it, of more mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. kind of yeah. jokes and gags and like less always moody and dark and sad uh, mm-hmm. in a way that I oh. actually kind of enjoy. <laughs> Okay, so uh, two more moments I have to call out. I agree. Yep. It's <laughs> it's more it's more comic-y, I guess. Um, yeah. Which also, that's another aspect of Casada's drawings is, like, it's cartoony. Like, he does do... Yeah. It's a mixture of, like, cartoony and this slightly darker realistic style, I guess. I, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to pin down. Um, okay, so <laughs> at one point, Kingpin is talking to Maya about her father, who was named uh, Crazy Horse. And he says... Uh, his, you know, your father, Crazy Horse, he always told me his name was Crazy Horse because he was Cherokee, but I always thought Cheyenne, he was called Crazy Horse. Huh? I think it's Cheyenne in, uh, in the comic. Is it Cheyenne? I, I thought it was Cheyenne. I think. Whatever. Okay. Doesn't... <laughs> I don't think it matters, and I doubt that. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I doubt that David Mack did his research either. But um, he's like, your father's name was Crazy Horse because of whatever tribe he was, is what he said. I always thought his name was Crazy Horse because he was crazy. <laughs> and that was that's the end and she's just like tell me more about my father <laughs> it's an incredible line like what a stupid thing to say um there's a moment at the so at the end of remind me at the end of 13 is this where he gets shot kingpin no it's the uh, it's the end of 15 because we we no we no at the end of 13 th- he gets shot by the guy who like kingpin killed his brother oh yeah falls yeah, off yeah. The bridge yeah okay so 13, which is where the list originally ended, and I'm expanding it, Kingpin gets shot and he falls off a bridge. At the end of 14, uh, it's so strange because 14 has all this time passing. Matt Murdock is has turned in 
um, Kingpin's like blackmail book to Foggy and Foggy is like prosecuting the hell out of the city and all the corrupt politicians and businessmen that Kingpin had dirt on Foggy Nelson is using to like um, prosecute all these guys. And so like it suggests that time has passed. (laughs) And then at the end of the issue, there's just a shot. It's talking about like Kingpin's past and he's talking about how like I don't know. He has to have like rats, <laughs> like rats fleeing the ship, but rats can be crushed or something. The writing's pretty bad. Um, and as it's doing that, it's showing rats in the sewer. And then you see Kingpin picking up handful of rats, like six rats to a hand and then just crushing them to death. <laughs> and he's just standing in the sewer, crushing rats to death with his bare hands, wearing his full suit. <laughs> yep. It's like... The implication is that he's just been standing in the sewer for weeks, uh, crushing rats for. <laughs> so I like, you don't know why he hasn't I mean, come he's out getting of some the sewer. XP to, to get back <laughs> you on definitely the, don't on know why he's. There's no reason why is he killing these rats, uh, except to fulfill the metaphor of it's crushing to get rats. Some XP. <laughs> he's just grinding out rats. To <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, it's a it's one of the funnier moments uh, in a comic book that I've read. Um, And then it ends with, just like the MCU, it ends with Echo shooting and killing Kingpin. And he definitely dies. That's the end of Kingpin. Yeah, that's the end of Kingpin. We all know it. That's definitely it. Uh, No, she somehow thinks she kills him, but really she just shot his eyes out (laughs) or something. I don't even think that's true. Like, Kingpin definitely isn't blind. Um, Yeah, it's it's something. I think Uh, he is for a little while. I think he is. Oh, I'm sure he's for a little while, but how do you get your eyes... I don't know. She shoots him in the head, but just his eyes for a little bit. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it's it's very dumb. Um, also, Kingpin, there's a flashback to how Kingpin learned to control people. And he's like, I learned from the greats. And then it's like showing him reading things about Al Capone, Hitler, and Shakespeare. <laughs> like, this guy looks so stupid. That's when I was really like, David Mack, you are not... And you know, no, no offense, David Mack. I hope he's not listening. Uh, but like, <laughs> this David. is not somebody who has, uh, I don't know, big ideas about uh, leadership and <laughs> influencing people. Like, this is a very strange idea of what it takes to be a leader. <laughs> Hitler, Al Capone, and William Shakespeare. Um, yeah, it's great. It also shows Kingpin just ripping off the arm of like a union leader uh, to make a statement. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Anyway, anything else to say about that? I, I had to get all that out of my system. Um, um, no, I th- not really. I think, I mean, I'm, I, I was going to say, I'm curious to see where Maya goes next. I know where Maya goes next. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see a lot of that in, in the list. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'd recommend like checking out the 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 uh, recent miniseries that is called, well, <laughs> I can't say the name because it spoils stuff. For very mm-hmm. soon coming, but th- there is a recent uh, Echo miniseries uh, that is actually done by a Native American writer, which I don't think is the case for any other Echo comic. Um, but yeah, that that I remember that being a, a an interesting uh, interesting interesting comic, and yeah, she's she's gonna get uh, into some um, some fun Marvel shenanigans. It's interesting though; it doesn't seem like she sticks with like the street level stuff. It kind of seems like she um, no, yeah, no, she gets she wrapped up gets... in like wider Marvel. Yeah. Concerns, uh, which is strange. Um, so David Mack is actually going to come back. So we're about to uh, move into the Brian Michael Bendis era of Daredevil, which is exciting. People love that run. Um, I'm excited. I'm I'm a little hesitant, I guess. Like, I like but usually don't love 
Bendis's work. But people love this and kind of hold it up as like the high benchmark um, for his yeah. stuff. So I'm, I am excited to check it out. And he comes I in. I don't think I've ever seen anything of it. Really? Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. He's going to be here for, um, it's weird. He like comes and goes for a while. So he does um, 16 through 19 and then he takes seven issues off and he does 26 through 50. And then the next five issues are written by David Mack. He comes back for five issues. And then Bendis does 56 through 81. So he'll be largely okay. on the series for the next, whatever that is, five years, something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that and Alias are the two things that Brian Michael Bendis does in the next few years. Yeah. That, um, I'm curious about I wonder if we're going to, we got to try to get read Alias. It's just not in Marvel Unlimited, but like we might still have to just put it in. It's, it's kind of too big of a thing to ignore, right? Yeah, because um, it's, it's part of the Max line. I just remember, did you pick up on some of the like creator names being integrated in the comic? Like, <laughs> Marvel's been doing that a lot lately. There's a Doctor Ben Dix yeah. in Spider-Man oh, yeah, issues, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's I, a, I that a too, witness yeah. that's called Sibolsky in uh, in Daredevil. I thought that, but I kind of assumed it was a <laughs> coincidence because I was like, is Sibolsky? At this point, Sobolski is Yoshida to everybody, <laughs> right? Oh, like, no, I think he was also doing stuff as CB Sobolski. Oh, he was just he was just working for them and also lying at the same time. I like, think so. Work. I think so. The, yep. Oh God. <laughs> the, I mean, you know what? Like, we make fun of it a lot, rightfully so. Uh, it's pretty. You're right. Yeah, Gross, early two thousands. Yeah. He did some work for yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvel Mangaverse, um, and then he just two thousand three created the pseudonym Akira Yoshida began soliciting work from other country companies um he like the balls on that man <laughs> to do that like genuinely like it i don't know if i want to say impressive but like it is something it's something <laughs> <Yeah>. right like <laughs> like that that does take some gumption to be that bold to be like to create i mean not even just to create someone of another like nationality entirely like a new racial identity to get work i mean that's bold but just to be like <laughs> just to create a pseudonym to uh write for other companies it's kind of it's a wild thing to do um you know i've turned around in this sibulski guy uh he's my hero <laughs> dave's gonna love dave's gonna love it uh when he finds that out yeah. Um, all right. Can, let's, can't let's wait for the your final. new, uh, the new part, the new uh, my marvelous yeah, competitive podcast with uh, host uh, Naruto Sangoku, who definitely isn't like the name. Naruto Sangoku. Okay, we we gotta we gotta wrap this up. Let's talk yep. about Captain Marvel. Um, let's. I was deeply disappointed <laughs> when I found out that this was Captain Marvel of uh, Rick Jones. It one that it was not um, Carol Danvers, and two. That it was Rick oh, Jones. Oh, still 12 and... years out from Cole Danvers as Captain Marvel. Yeah, I guess so. I, I had, I mean, I knew that's when she really came to prominence with the, is it Kelly, Kelly Tom, Kelly Thompson, Thompson? I think. Mm. Which of the Kellys did? <laughs> I think both did at some point. I, wait, am I even getting that name right? Kelly Thompson? Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm mixing up two female writers. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe you, you can look that one, one up for me. Yeah, yeah, um, I'll link that up. Anyway, uh, this is Peter no, no, David. It's Kelly also. Sue DeConnick who, yep. who made okay. her into Captain Marvel. But I think there's a current run of Captain Marvel that's being written by Kelly Thompson. Oh, okay. So there are two Kellys. There's Kelly Sue DeConnick yeah. Yeah, and that's Kelly what I, Thompson. Yeah. Okay. So Kelly that's Thompson is currently sense. writing Carol Danvers as Captain mm -hmm. Marvel, but she became Captain Marvel under Kelly Sue DeConnick's writing. Okay. I, I like that run. I've read that run, the Kelly Sue DeConnick 
stuff and uh it's fun yeah uh, i'm excited to get to that but uh this is not that this is not carol danvers and it's not even <clears throat> you know marvel the captain marvel we had before it is just it's weird though because it's kind of like why isn't it just marvel i mean you know you kind of want to leave him dead yes <laughs> but like <laughs> it's basically marvel it's a guy called and charlotte and i were talking about this before we started recording how to pronounce this Genesvel, Genesvel, Genesis, yeah. like Genesis, Gen- but with the S taken out. I guess I don't know. I, it, yeah, Genesvel, <laughs> Genesvel. Genus. Uh, whatever you say <laughs> is not uh, natural and does not. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say is not correct. It does not roll off the tongue. Um, yeah. Rick Jones does call him Jenny, which is a little better in the comic. It's another Rick Jones clashing his mega bands together to. Summon a Captain Marvel fourth, and boy, does Peter David love Rick Jones. Like, how many comics? And you know what? Put... I find oh it's oh boy. kind of... No, no, not here. In Future Imperfect, I think, I find it kind of charming what he does with, like, a very old Rick Jones that's still the number one Avengers fan and has, like, his old collection of... Uh, superhero memorabilia and like it's funny to see him like move on from just having like posters and action figures to like yeah i collect the skulls of all the avengers and like <laughs> but even like i like <laughs> Over... the idea of him like there's something endearing to him being like the childlike forever fan of the avengers except he- here he even takes that away by having rick be kind of like glib and cynical about superheroes like Mm-hmm. I, there's yeah. a meta humor of uh, of uh, Rick predicting predicting stuff that's gonna happen. Like when Janice Vale is taken to custody by the police, is like, don't worry, like there's gonna be some some uh, accidents where they're gonna need you when you're gonna be able to bag in. And like Janice Vale is like, wait, no, how do you know that's gonna happen? And then it happened because Rick knows because Rick knows he's in a comic, I guess. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like that's there's some glib humor that doesn't work for me at all. There, yeah, yeah. In the, like, rare occasions that Rick can be kind of charming and, like, endearing, this is not one of them. <laughs> He's incredibly annoying. Um, yeah, and, like, Peter David's humor doesn't... Like, okay, questions for you, Zach. Is this mm-hmm. a comedy comic? Yeah, that's... So Dave has talked about this a lot. As we've covered Peter David's stuff, we talked about X-Factor, and we talked about uh, the Hulk, largely the Hulk, um, and... Dave would talk about Peter David's reputation as just doing, like, you know, joke, 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 like, nonstop jokes, puns, jokes, puns, references, and it being, like, really grating on people. And I was kind of like, I don't know, I don't see it. Like, that's not, like, he's got a jokey tone for sure, but, like, it was also balanced with, like, story and character, and there was other stuff, like, some of that Hulk stuff got dark, right? Like, some of it was not jokey at all, some of it was very serious and then he'd have one issue that was like slightly more goofy and then we'd get back to like dark hulk with the mcfarland stuff i felt like it was a little bit even with x factor it felt like a little more imbalanced like you know these characters are up to something that's a little more lighthearted, and then we're gonna cut back to this thing that's a little more serious this he <laughs> i feel like peter david this is uh 2000 buffy the vampire slayer's been on for two years he's a noted huge buffy the vampire slayer fan i feel like he watched way too much buffy and was like this is what my work's gonna be like um even though actually i think buffy not a huge fan does a better job of balancing like the jokey and the serious it's so non-stop here and it's yeah. less funny than it used to be it feels way more it's like it's way more stale it's not as fresh it's not as vibrant like 
There's a few jokes that landed for me. Um, Drax the Destroyer rushing out to get <laughs> mint chocolate cookies from a Girl Scout. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, like, <laughs> for his daughter, Moondragon. And he, like, comes flying out of the sky, waving some money in his hand at a Girl Scout and terrifies her. And then he was just like, I must have mint chocolate cookies. And then she's like, I don't remember. She's like, all I have is snickerdoodles. And he's like, it's not the same, but okay. <laughs> oh, that, that was funny. Um, but then a lot of it yeah. is, it's very... Uh, it's very dad humor, but not, I don't know. There, there's just something about the balance of it that doesn't feel like you kind of have to have that juxtaposed against something and the whole thing has that vibe to it. So like <laughs> uh, Rick telling Captain Marvel, I'm not even going to try to say Genis Vell. It's so awkward um, that the yeah. human phrase for like evil beware is, oh, uh, Sagu, I am. Uh, which is, if you say it quick enough, is, oh, what a goose I am. It's like a very, <laughs> it's like a playground joke from, like, the 1970s, <laughs> is, like, uh, writing that down and having another kid say it out loud, and then you make fun of them <laughs> for calling themselves a goose. It's actually kind of cute, if you think about, like, how mild that is. Um, but, like, he loves that joke, and he does it a lot here. Um, yeah, there's just, there's not of a balance here, and it's a little too in love with old comics. Um Especially old comics that I don't care about. So, like, I could kind of see someone vibing with this. Like, it's not a disaster. And I feel like if you're also just into the same things that Peter David's in, too, if you like those old Captain Marvels and you like Rick Jones, and uh, maybe you could get into this. But, yeah, it kind of left me a little cold. Um, anything else? <laughs> oh, Charlotte hated Captain Marvel so much that she hung Hello. up the call. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I stopped and was like, oh, okay, she has nothing to say to this. <laughs> and then you my, <laughs> my internet My internet connection was like dropping like crazy. So I switched to my mobile data and I guess Discord didn't like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like it's really missing like some, I don't know if serious is the right word, but like it, it misses Peter David taking seriously a core storyline, I guess. Or even um, characters, because... right? Like... Yeah. He could be lighthearted, but, like, the Marlo Rick Jones stuff, like, I did kind of start to care about them as, like, a couple. And I, I did like their relationship, right? Like, even when it was lighthearted and it was just Marlo teasing Rick, like, it could sometimes feel like like it was still bound yeah. in a real relationship between two people and the way they know each other. This, not so much. Like, Yeah, I don't know. Like, Marlo is barely a character in this, like, except being horny for for Janice Bell while still wanting to remain faith faithful to, to Rick. Like, Which is kind of funny. <laughs> it's a, that's is, a little I guess, but like, yeah. It's a little bit funny for, uh, like, I guess less for Marlo and more just because I kind of like to see Rick humiliated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's a little yep. bit of a good joke. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. she... I don't really know what's going on with her. Like, she takes a job to do an improv, like, monster hunter show, like a fake documentary. documentary. Yeah. Yeah, with some random guy who, like, approaches her in a coffee shop, and then she goes to do it, and then she has a rivalry with the other actress, and then it turns out the guy who set it up slits the throat of the other actress and then, like, bite takes a bite out of her arm and is a cannibal in the woods, which turns him into the Wendigo, which... But, like, you're also like, why did he just slit her throat and bite her? Uh, <laughs> I don't really know. Like, there's no build-up to this. It's just kind of a thing that happens. Um, yeah, Glib. You said Glib earlier. That's kind of the vibe of the whole thing. Yeah, and, like, like glib, the, but... 
I don't know, it starts falling apart real quick because of how much he makes fun of like, oh, well, he's going to go to Canada. That means there's going to be a Wendigo because like that's what stuff, that's what happens uh, a lot of times. In the Canadian woods, yeah. Yeah, that's what happens in like Wolverine or Hulk comics. But like when you start like calling it out in the comic, it starts making, it, it, it makes for like a very... Like the 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 comic falls apart real quick. Like he, you see how lightly structured it is. Like there's no. It's just like he just wants. He ju- he just has a, a list of uh, six different story, one issue stories he wants to tell, and like they don't work together. And there's they're not good enough on their own to to merit for for the comic to yeah to work. I guess. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because like have we had. Have we had a strictly comedy comic in Marvel uh, to this um, point? I mean, <laughs> where there's what the and like in the sixties it was not Brenner, I, I think. Yeah, not <laughs> Brenner. <didn't> work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, they're kind of cute. Um, but know. yes, yeah, that's um, a. It's, I don't know. Like, Peter I mean, Polka? the same way that we have like you know, like Squirrel Girl now, or yeah. um, like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. I guess even Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is like still kind of a mixture of like lighthearted adventure and comedy but you get some um, like great lakes avengers stuff even like soon there's yeah. uh i think uh, uh next Gwen wave Poole. by warren Ellis is kind of that at least it's more mm. humorous okay um, I, i'm just wondering like when because I, I could see peter david doing okay if he felt unshackled from trying to actually do like yeah it feels like yeah. this is stuff that still has to fill the like you would see this stuff on the wikipedia page for rick jones being like you know, in 2000, Rick Jones uh, merged with Genesville and yeah. um, and they fought the Wendigo in Canada. And it, like, feels like it all has to be, like, actual superhero comics that are just l- more yeah. lighthearted. Ooh, but you if know you what? could break get, free of that. Uh, I got two what, examples. What? Howard okay. the Duck and then she, uh, John Burns' She-Hulk. She-Hulk. I think, I, I mean, Howard the Duck, I don't even want to talk about. Um, but <laughs> But also, like, even Howard the Duck, like, it is, yeah, I guess so. It's comedy. Yeah, it's pretty straight comedy yeah. it's not really concerned with being uh but it's also not a superhero comic <laughs> that's just, it's a duck comic uh, i mean it kind of is like he plays around with supervillains like they're joke supervillains but they're supervillains like he plays in a superhero yeah genre. i guess so dr bong and stuff yeah 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 she hulk though i best even though she hulk does Cow. sometimes faint towards like actual superheroics it does often just go goofy you're right about she hulk i can't believe i didn't yeah. think of that one because yeah. i feel like peter david would do better if he could let go of that and be like and wink even more so, right? Like if he was uh, at doing least something that make was... for a more cohesive comic. I don't think I would like yeah. it, <laughs> but like I could respect it a bit more. Yeah, maybe maybe I I think I could like get on his wavelength a little more if he was like yeah. just going full joke mode. Um, maybe not. Maybe it would be overwhelming. Isn't but... I I I kind of remember that for where from when you did the um trouble episode isn't this the comic that won the bets against uh against trouble for what the people's favorite comic would be on that year <laughs> like it wasn't that a bet between peter david's uh Captain oh Marvel yeah and... I... god what was the I think I that... what was the deal about that um boy uh i don't remember <laughs> i i know what you're talking about <laughs> let me see yeah because uh, it was what's his face um I can't remember his name, but the guy who did Trouble and who was like an editor at, uh, at well, Marvel. Trouble is Mark Miller. <laughs> um, it's Bill Jameis is the one who 
Oh right. Oh, it was yeah. no, it was Marvel versus this, not Trouble. It was Marvel. Oh, was Marvel okay? Yeah, because Mark Mark Miller does Trouble. Um, okay. Okay. Wait. Marvel was created as part of Marvel's You Decide promotional campaign, in which fans would decide which of the three books would survive. The event involved one existing book, Peter David's Captain Marvel, whose numbering was restarted issue number one, and two new books, Marvel and Ron Ultimate Adventures. Ultimate Adventures, which also is like one of the worst Real bad, comics yeah. of that year. That's really funny because like <laughs> neither of us particularly like this comic, but like this is miles. Oh, above, miles like, better than either Ultimate Adventures or Marvel. Marvel. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it ran. This ran for sixty issues, um, which is kind of wild. But uh, is, people, oh, yeah. people love I hope like it picks up and starts writing an actual story at some point because sixty issues of this sounds fine. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. If we had to read more of this, I wouldn't be heartbroken. It was, it wasn't great. But I'd be also, annoyed. It didn't. It, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, yeah. All right, I think that's gonna do it. Uh, any final thoughts, Charlotte? Um, no, I think it's it's interesting to to go back to some more. I don't know, classic feeling or like still in the '90s or even '80s for some of those uh, comics compared to what we've been reading recently of uh, of the Marvel Light stuff. Um, yeah. I think there's some interesting new stuff with the 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 latter end of uh, of Spider-Man and uh, the creation of Echo, but um, yeah, overall like way less interesting than some of the other stuff we've been reading. But um, yeah, interesting to to see where where the rest of the Marvel universe is right now. The yeah yeah I agree. It's it's interesting having Daredevil wedged between these other two comics that feel much yeah. more like rooted in a decade ago. Uh, Daredevil feels well, if, the, the first part of Spider-Man does do. Yeah, and, I guess and so. Peter not, David not quite as feels like he hasn't evolved since the past ten years. Yeah, this is this. I've really liked Peter David. I think I've liked him more than you and Dave. Um, but this yeah. this really started to feel like him just kind of playing the hits a little bit. We'll see because he comes back I mean, for X Factor. I like the beginning of his like Hulk that. and his X Factor, but yeah, it, it fizzles out. I like him. I like Hulk all the way through. Like there are some low points there, but like even the, like the very end of Hulk, I quite liked. Like, do you remember like, the Hulk uh, Peter David issues during uh, Heroes Reborn where he fights some kind of jackal Joker thing, and it's a terrible issue. <laughs> Do you remember yeah, that? that that sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> yeah, no, there's some, yep. there's def. I mean, it's a long run. There are some weak points for sure, but it's I liked like run, I yeah. liked the um like the death of Betty Ross. I liked all that stuff, and that was him wrapping yeah. up. Yes. Um, that stuff worked. <laughs> uh, admit it, you love Peter David. I uh, don't. Can't who, we were talking <laughs> we were talking off mic. Uh, is writing a Gen Genis Vell. <laughs> Uh, Captain He's, Marvel comic in the year. Yeah, I don't know what dirt he has on CB Sibolsky, but like the amount of miniseries Marvel is giving Peter David right now is baffling to me. Does like, he have other ones besides that? God, he's doing Joe Fix It. He's doing Genesville. He did like a few he's years ago, Symbiote Spider Man. Yeah. He's still doing some Future Imperfect ma- Maestro series. He's hmm. like he's doing so much like stuff that is like stuck in the 80s to 90s that's well he he also um i mean he's this guy with this huge prolific career who got like i mean he's had a lot of health problems lately had a stroke like a decade ago where he lost like use of an eye and his hand and his leg for a long time uh and then like a few years ago he had like eighty thousand dollars in back taxes (laughs) that he like couldn't afford to pay um and had to like crowdfund to like help him with it and sold off a bunch of artwork and started a Patreon to like 
help him do it so like you know he probably just has to work and marvel's giving him work because it also probably sells um yeah people, i mean people like yeah, his stuff there's definitely a older category of, of marvel uh, fans that are very glad to still have uh, those 80s comics still going on and to be able to ignore what else is going on because i guess that's some what some people like about marvel comics you want to oh uh yeah yeah i found his patreon he's still doing a patreon um yep. interesting uh, okay, so next week we're going to be talking about Maximum Security, uh, which is a crossover event. I don't know how much of this we're going to read. I don't. It's a big event. Uh, probably just read the main. Oh well, it's weird. There's no like main core thing to it. Um, I'll have to ask Dave for some clarification because right now it just says has a link to his reading order. He's self dealing again, having us <laughs> <laughs> go to his uh, his website. Um, and it is. A Kurt Busiak uh, kind of seems like an Avengers thing where alien civilizations are using Earth as a penal colony. Um, okay. I don't want to sound negative, but I'm not that excited about it. Uh, no. Just based on <laughs> Busiak's Avengers so far, that hasn't done much for me. The That that side of Marvel, the like, you know, the Kree are a threat to the human. Like, the Kree stuff just never grabs me. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we're also, it's going to be a very fan demand fan demanded episode uh, a bunch of our patreon backers have added a bunch of stuff so like a full year ago uh one of our backers eric h who had been backing us at the 15 dollar level for quite a while was just like can i add five issues of iron man in <laughs> um so we're doing iron man 26 through 30 i have no idea what that is but it's a run that eric liked enough that he paid quite a bit for us to add and then uh, since we've read iron man yeah, it has. And actually, you know what? I'm kind of excited because I think, unless I'm mistaken, I think uh, Joe Quesada is... Oh, Joe Quesada is writing it, but he's not drawing it. I thought he was drawing it. Weird. Uh, yeah, Joe Quesada is writing this, and Sean Chen is the uh, the author, or the uh, okay. artist, rather. And then Incredible Hulk 12 through 13, which I think this is post-Burn, because Burn's been on Hulk. Um, I read that. Oh, right, yeah. St- I read that stuff. It was okay. Uh, not great, but okay. Uh, it is Paul Jenkins uh, is writing that. So a couple episodes of or issues of some Hulk. Uh, looking forward to it. It'll be fun to talk yeah. about. And then we're going to get in some more Apocalypse stuff before I think the Morrison run starts Let's in 2001. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but we got a bunch of Apocalypse stuff coming up at the end of the year to wrap up 2000. So. All right, thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find these reading lists in the show notes and on patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. Uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts are welcome. Our music is by Disasterpiece. And thank you for listening. Thank you for co-hosting, Charlotte. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, see you next year. See you next year. <laughs> I really just kind of faded away into that one, huh? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, okay. I thought I was going to say something else, and then I was like, I don't have anything else to say. So I guess see you next. I was year. about to like spell out disaster piece in the way you did in the in the early episodes, and always misspelling it. <laughs> <laughs> I still messed that up. All right, let's try that yeah. again. See you next year. See you next year. I forgot to put this in the episode that Rick Jones is wearing a mutants are people too T-shirt when the cops come to him. Which, one, he does that. He has that shirt on, which is like, I, <laughs> like, Rick Jones is the kind of guy to wear a t-shirt that just says, like, male feminist or, like, 
yeah, I'm an ally <laughs> on it. And then the other thing that he says is he's just the cop who's a big black man who introduces himself as Goldberg. And he was like, hmm, Goldberg, you don't seem too Jewish to me. <laughs> Which is a wild thing to say. Black people can be Jewish. Oh, my God. Rick Jones. He's a, he's a real mensch. <laughs>